Hey, what's going on, Giants and Jets fans? Welcome to the latest episode of our Giants and Jets Talk is Cheap podcast from NJ Advanced Media, the Star Ledger, and NJ.com. Daryl Slater here, Andy Vasquez joining me in, in a minute, our, our Jets writer, of course. And so it's Wednesday evening, uh, January the 10th, and what a January the 10th it was. Uh, it's about 8 o'clock at night, and and a lot to digest. Um, obviously, we'll get into all the Giants and Jets stuff, all the Wink Martindale things. Uh, everything related to Aaron Rodgers and that soap opera, putting a bow on the on the eventful parts of this end of season week here. Um, coaching staff changes, lack of coaching staff changes with the Jets, and where these teams go from here with with things like um, well, especially with Saquon Barkley for the Giants in particular. Uh, obviously, today around the NFL, Pete Carroll uh, basically pretty much nudged out um, in Seattle, and then another. Um, Coaching legend, certainly one of the best coaches of all time, Alabama. Coach Nick Saban retires. So uh, really right now in the NFL, uh, obviously Saban is a college coach, but that's a huge bit of news. So a couple guys north of 70 calling it quits. And and we know that uh, we know that Robert Sala and Brian Dable will be back. But the NFL has uh, seven openings right now. So Atlanta, Carolina, Vegas, the Chargers, Seattle, the Titans, and Washington. Uh, so those are the openings right now in the NFL. And as they kind of pertain to the Giants, we'll get we'll tie those in a little bit because there are a couple tie-ins there. So, um, I mean, if you guys have been paying attention, you you all know what's happened here uh, over the last couple days. I mean, the Giants and Jets wrapped up their seasons on Sunday um, with uh, right the Jets won in, in New England. They they snapped their streak. They're losing streak to the Patriots. The Giants beat the Eagles, a rare win there as well. Um, mostly pretty meaningless and and both hurt their draft status in terms of where they're going to pick in the first round. Um, and then Monday came and in and it was an avalanche of news. Uh, and then Tuesday came and it was a lot of Rogers stuff. And now Wednesday, finally, the negotiated divorce between Wink Martindale and the Giants. So uh Andy, what do you make of this? You know, this has been really since Sunday morning. And you you drive into to Foxborough in a snowstorm. It's been nonstop here until Wednesday night. Yeah, it's uh, the end of the season, and, and at least on the Jets' end, Wednesday was the first quiet day on this beat. It felt like in a long time. I know you know we had a little break after the Cleveland game for New Year's, which was appreciated. But um, yeah, it's just been a lot of stuff, and I think a lot of stuff surrounding Aaron Rodgers, which is going to be real interesting next year because there's still a little bit of a honeymoon with him and some of the Jets fan base because of the potential of, of what he could mean for this team next year. But I think that will be a very short leash that is dependent on on-field success. And that's there's going to be no leeway. I just want to make it clear, like Jets fans are are sick of it and they don't care about anything other than results. And all of this defending of Rodgers – will be a memory if he doesn't back it up on the field. So that's kind of a lot of noise, a lot of unnecessary noise. I'm sure we'll get into it, but it's just very rich for Rodgers to say that, you know, the Jets need to eliminate everything that has nothing to do with winning and flush the BS while minutes earlier teasing his appearance on McAfee, which was an hour and 15 minute disaster. Um, Oh, that man. had nothing. It was just, yeah. And I'm not even trying to be, I don't have any like 
uh, people who want to talk about the media and whatever our opinions i don't care about any of his his past like i care about like what's relevant to what's happening on the football field the covid stuff was relevant a couple years ago because it literally affected your status in terms of how long you would be off the roster etc because it's not a it's not relevant anymore so i don't care what his opinions were and all that um he's he has been a distraction i don't think it was anything that affected him in the locker room because he wasn't playing, but that'll be a different story next year. If he continues to be a distraction and especially if they continue to lose. So um, it's not, it's not a good thing. And especially when this team it's been made clear by sauce Gardner on, on Monday made, made clear by Rogers, they need to eliminate the distractions and focus on doing what's important to winning. Rogers was totally right when he said that and totally wrong to end up. And I wrote about it today, totally wrong to end up going that route and, and creating you know, something that didn't make anybody, him or anybody else involved with the Jets, you know, proud, uh, I would say. On, on that. I mean, and it was I don't it think was, it's a huge deal, but like right now, but it's not good. What, go yeah, ahead. Was, sorry. Yeah. And it was so bad. And then we'll move right on real quick. To, well, I'll just put a ball on when well, we can get back to it. But but it was so bad that Pat McAfee's like, we're good. We're good here. <laughs> like, yeah. and, and he announced that Aaron Rodgers won't be back on the show mercifully for the rest of the NFL season. And who knows beyond that? So, um. But uh, I mean, I think you nailed it, you nailed it there when you said results is what it's about, and I think that's where Giants fans are at at this point. The honeymoon with Brian Dable is over, okay, and people understand that. Yes, this team is still rebuilding, and yes, there is a possibility they're going to be drafting a quarterback with a premium pick this year, even if it's not in the first round. It could be with one of those second round picks. It could be in a trade up movement of the bottom of round one. Um, but they want people want to see results. I mean, the team just went six and eleven. They haven't beaten anybody like under Brian Dable. I mean, their record against good teams is atrocious. They are five and 17 in against teams that finished with a winning record. That includes their playoff win in Minnesota and 11, two and one against teams with a losing or 500 record. Now you're not really going to go anywhere in the NFL unless you beat some good teams and they haven't beaten anyone good. Uh, yeah, they, they finished the season with a win over the Eagles. Okay. And, uh, but people want to see some results here. And I understand, you know, it's going to be some growing pains potentially if they have to start a young kid at quarterback. We'll see and we'll get to that. But at this point, now Brian Dable has made significant changes to his coaching staff, right? So here's what happened. You know, we come out of of, of Sunday, we go into Monday morning. Um, Just a quick recap here because, you know, everyone knows what what happens. Brian Dable goes into his press conference. Bobby Johnson, O line coach, fired. Thomas McGahee, special teams coordinator, fired. Okay. No surprise there. Uh, come on, coming out of the press conference, Brian Dable gives the impression that he expects Wink Martindale and uh, Mike Kafka to return. Doesn't commit to Kafka continuing to call the plays. Uh, later Monday, news comes out: Drew Wilkins, the outside linebacker coach, right hand man of Wink Martindale, to the toaster, fired. And then shortly thereafter, we hear the news that Wink Martindale has has resigned. Okay, well, it took a couple of days. He didn't actually submit his resignation, which. Smartly, he didn't because, um, you know, the report then came out last night that there was a heated conversation. Well, really, that Wink Martindale cursed out Brian Dable when when he said, look, we're going to fire Drew Wilkins. (laughs) And, you know, what did Dable expect? I think if he really wanted to keep the guy, why would he fire his right hand man? So to me, it's like it, it comes off as a bit. okay. you say you expect him back and then you do something that kind of undercuts that statement. But ultimately, the end result was no surprise, considering the report about tension between these two guys during the season. Okay, so it's no surprise that Wink Martindale's gone. We had to; there was a little bit of drama along the way, a lot bit of drama, right over these past few days. Um, 
And now the end result for Wink Martindale is this. He will not get his money from the Giants next year, but who cares? Because he's now free to go wherever he wants to go. He's not going to be a head coach this year. Forget that. Okay. But he could be a defense coordinator anywhere he wants to be. And that includes in Philadelphia. So he'll get paid handsomely for that. It's just like he would have gotten paid handsomely with the Giants. So to me here, like there the, it was a negotiated divorce. Yes. But Wink Martindale didn't really have to concede much. And now he could be the Eagles DC next year, which could wind up really biting the Giants if they don't find a way to number one, improve their own offense, but also get a, a, a really competent guy to replace him. Would that be like a Matt Patricia or, or maybe Antonio Pierce, if he doesn't get the Raiders head coaching job, could they lure Patrick Graham back? Remember he was going to be the guy before Wink Martindale. So um, I think this kind of ties into something um, as we look ahead here and is Brian Dable didn't have a relationship with Wink Martindale. He had one with Patrick Graham from their Pats days. He has one with Matt Patricia from their Pats days. Lengthy relationship, right? Um, I don't know. I mean, what do you, from from the Jets' perspective, you know, comfortability, relationships matter, right? And then, you know, you see where Rodgers and Hackett um, being something that they said, okay, this marriage can work. But when you look at um, why things work or don't work, a lot of times in the NFL, especially in this case, like you just can't, when guys can't trust each other, it just doesn't work. Yeah. I mean, this is probably like a juvenile comparison, but like, why not just fire him? If clearly that is your intent by getting rid of his right hand guy, it's like saying you want to stay in a relationship right. with a significant other and then doing things that you know, aren't going to fly in that relationship. So you make the other person make that decision. It just makes it, first of all, like it, it reflects poorly on you and it, you, it's the same result anyway. They ended up having to like, you know, fire him from a contractual standpoint, and he still has every availability or every option open to him that he would have, you know, if they had just fired him. And it's no and different. Dable didn't yeah. take the PR. He's Dable just unnecessarily took a PR yeah. hit from the way he handled it. So, I mean, that it's not an easy job. Like being the the, the most public facing figure, as as I can attest to, watching Robert Sala do it every day. It's, it's very easy to make yourself look bad and it's it's hard to manage. And that's the, the difference between being a coordinator and a head coach. And, you know, I think Dable has struggled with some of that stuff and, that, and that's an example of it. It doesn't mean he can't figure it out. It doesn't mean it may not be the right move for this, the franchise in the meantime, but yeah, it's, it, these things are hard. And yeah, we saw it with Hackett this whole year, like Hackett was clearly not the right coordinator. And, and if you look at his history, he's never been the right offensive coordinator when Aaron Rodgers isn't his quarterback. Yeah. So, but the fact that Aaron Rodgers is going to be his quarterback next year, at least, you know, that's if everything goes as planned, that's why you keep him around and it creates this whole awkward situation. Uh, and we've seen evidence of the awkwardness uh, throughout the season and on baggy day for the jets as well, based on some of the comments of the players and, you know, they have their own, their own issues that we'll get into. Um, you know, one of their assistant coaches is also getting you know, their offensive line coach keeps Keith Carter. When Vrabel got fired, uh, Lewin, he, he put a post on Instagram that he loved playing for Vrabel except for one year in, in 2018 and loved all of his assistants except for Keith Carter, the offensive line coach in in, in Tennessee who who joined the Jets this year after getting fired, and and then you see Jets players either liking it or or commenting on it and deleting it, and that shows that you know 
there's dysfunction within the Jets and they might, I mean, I think that's the only major coaching change they're going to make is potentially getting rid of Keith Carter. So um, yeah, it's, it's hard. It's all hard to manage. Especially when you're losing and winning covers up a lot of these, a lot of these problems and a lot of this drama. And, you know, this kind of reminds me a little bit of uh, the Adam Gase, Greg Williams divorce from a couple of years ago from, well, four years ago, right? Or three years ago, December of 2020 after the cover zero. And you're talking about a who clearly has had success. Number one, we know that, but thinks very, very highly of himself as Greg Williams. I don't know if anyone has as big of an ego as Greg Williams, but Wink certainly has a big one. And uh, the results were were not there for Greg Williams. And quite frankly, the results have not lived up to the name for Wink Martindale. Uh, I mean, just look at where they are in PFF. And I understand that they were number one in the league, tied for first in the league in takeaways this year, which counts special teams takeaways. But of course, most of those are, are, gonna, are on defense. So they get credit for that, certainly. But um, they had had they had certainly their share as well of, of just some defensive duds. And overall, they were not a well-rated if you just look at PFF, not a well-rated team defensively over the last couple of years, nor on offense. Okay. And then this is why they were the worst team in the league in PFF this year, 32nd last. Okay. So that just goes to show how much of a, of a rebuild they have to do here. But um, look, I, the end result here with Wink Martindale and Brian Dable is not surprising, but now the pressure is, is squarely on Brian Dable. I mean, for Wink Martindale, he's playing with, with house money. He's going to coach somewhere this year, you'd think, right? And if he doesn't, so what? He doesn't make any money. He's made a lot of money, okay? So it doesn't really matter. But he, he his options are wide open. He can go wherever he wants. And it'll be fascinating to see if maybe that's the Eagles because if the Eagles lose Monday in Tampa, all options are on the table, including a full house cleaning, I think. And the thing to remember with the Eagles too is, uh, you know, Sean Desai is their defensive coordinator and he was demoted from Matt Patricia. Okay. So if Brian Dable wants to hire Matt Patricia as his defensive coordinator, I'm under the impression here that the Eagles can't block that because Patricia is not the DC. He's a senior defensive assistant. Okay. So if they wanted to hire Sean Desai, which I can't imagine they would because the guy basically just got fired. Um, then they could block that, the Eagles. Not that they would because they fired him. But the point remains, um, the, the Patricia, the, the title situation with Patricia makes him vulnerable to a plucking. They can't, the Eagles can't just say, look, we're going to promote you. And maybe he would want to stay there in, in a promotion if Nick Sirianni stays. But that's the fascinating part of this. That's why the Eagles could be looking. Well, maybe they just go with a clean slate and they get rid of Patricia and Desai and they go with a new DC under Sirianni and they and they make it Wink Martindale. The, the thing here to remember too, Bob Brookover, who used to cover the Giants for us and now does the Eagles, mentioned how rarely the Eagles blitz and Wink Martindale blitzes a ton. It'd be interesting to see how that could work. Um, you know, that would be a huge, huge change from what they what they do, unless Wink Martindale would agree to not blitz as much, which I can't imagine. So um the the possibility here now is super juicy of him one way or the other, whether it's under a new coaching staff in Philly or the same one landing there and just sticking sticking it to Brian Dable because there are no restrictions with this negotiated divorce uh, with, with Wink Martindale and the Giants. And that's what kind of makes this whole thing super fascinating at this point. But on the other hand, ton of pressure on Brian Dable. He needs a strong DC, right? I mean, like it's like with Robert Sala. He needed someone. I mean, he's a defensive minded coach, right? So he needed a, and the Jets offense has been a disaster, right? So they needed someone to come and it wasn't, it wasn't Michael Floor, and he was kind of maybe scapegoated a little bit, but, um, and it certainly hasn't been Nate Hackett. And they're just hoping that the quarterback can be the OC and Aaron Rodgers essentially, but they needed someone to spark their offense. Whereas the Giants need someone to, to pick up what the good things Wink Martindale did and make this defense more consistent. So would that be Matt Patricia or would that maybe be Antonio Pierce or Patrick Graham 
or um, someone along those lines, or maybe just someone lower profile. But I mean, but the, here's my you know question for you: How attractive do you think that job is? You've covered a bunch of hot seat coaches here. We've seen it. This is a typical playbook thing for guys to make coaching changes to their staff entering a hot seat year. Dable's on the hot seat. Uh, he's so the pros and cons here are: if you come in as a DC, it's your whole show, right? essentially right you you you're working for an offensive-minded coach but you're also working for a hot seat coach who just went through a bitter nasty divorce with the previous dc so how do you weigh all that yeah well i think first of all uh, and i'm sure you'll comment on this when i'm done but it's we do know what wink martindale will be wearing no matter where he ends up which, which i thought was it that, that you know sorry i had to had to make a little crack there since he wears I've never seen the same outfit form. to the airport <laughs> maybe he's tatted up i don't I, mean, I don't know sorry but um, I think that job is interesting because it's it's a weird thing. Like that job is it's a dangerous job to take, unless the Giants are taking a quarterback in the draft, right? Then, then you get that stability. Would, yeah. Then you, you then Dable really probably is going to get at least two more years. So, I mean, if I'm interviewing for that job, it's an attract it's a very attractive job because they have good some good talented pieces on defense. Um. And I think like you can make that defense you know, pretty pretty formidable as it was at times this year. The problem was the inconsistency, but I think the pieces are there to make that defense you know stable. But you're, it's going to be that's the first question you got to kind of ask. Like, what are you guys doing at quarterback? Because it, I think that directly you know relates to the team's uh, security, you know, into the into the security of of the coaching staffs you know, future is, is what, cause you, you think Dable, an offensive minded guy who has developed, has a history of, you know, developing one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL um, who did not, you know, have a very good start to his career and, and then figured it out because of Dable and hasn't been as good since Dable left. Uh, I think that gives him a lot more stability if they're, if he's, you know, developing a quarterback. So I think, yeah, that, I think they can attract, pretty much anybody they'd want but it, it does hinge on that and i think maybe that will be kind of an early read like they're not going to publicly go out and say what they're going to do in the draft but depending on the direction they go at dc i think it could be kind of telling to what they are going to do in the draft that's a good point right i mean that's that's a really interesting point especially if whoever they're going after has other you know defensive coordinator interest and and that person picks the Giants over, say, another job. Whereas, you know, maybe if the look, if the Giants are your only offer and you want to coach, you know, are you going to turn it down because it's not perfect? Probably, you know, probably not. Another name to watch is is Leslie Frazier, who is, you know, he's older. He turned sixty five in April, but of course he he overlapped for four years in Buffalo with with, with Dable uh, as the DC there. Um, and he was out of the, he was out of the NFL last year and didn't coach. And um, you know, the Giants interviewed him for their head coaching job before they hired Dable. So a lot of familiarity with the organization, with Dable, more so obviously with Dable, which is what matters. I mean, that's what matters here. I think ultimately, I don't know if Dable can go out and hire like another complete, total stranger, big ego guy. I just don't know if that's going to work. Um, you know, that's why I think a Frazier hire, Patricia, Pat Graham, someone that he has familiarity with, I, I guess uh, maybe Antonio Pierce could work. I know he played for the Giants. Well, so what? I mean, just because he played for the Giants, it's about how he works with the man who is the coach of the Giants now, not with that effect that he yep. played with the Giants 12 years ago or whatever it was. Who cares? I mean, there's this weird sentimentality attached to the Giants, like from, you know, 
fans, obviously, but some of the people that cover the team, this weird nostalgia factor, but like, who cares that he played for the Giants? It doesn't have any impact on anything. Also, he's never been a defensive coordinator in the NFL, Antonio Pierce. So, I mean, what, what gives you the, I mean, this guy is going to have to run the whole defense. It's not like he, the head coach could step in and be like, you know what, I'm going to call the defensive plays, like throw a life raft, like maybe Dable will do with Mike Kafka here. Um, no, so I don't know. I mean, the, the Pierce thing is interesting, I guess, but obviously there's certainly more qualified qualified candidates out there um and and before we'll pivot in a minute to rogers but just to 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 review real fast the nuts and bolts of where everything are at, is at giants wise right now is where as we talk so um wink martindale is out via ne a negotiated divorce we'll see who they target they have not done any interviews yet the other defensive guys who are out via firing are the outside linebackers coach drew wilkins and his brother kevin wilkins the defensive assistant the running backs coach jeff nixon left to be syracuse's oc we, we knew that so um Bobby Johnson, the O-line coach, fired, and the, the Giants have uh, or plan to at least uh, interview the Raiders O-line coach, Carmen Brasillo. They've gotten permission to do that uh, amid the, the Raiders coaching search or figuring out whether Pierce is going to be their guy. And then the last one, the sixth, the sixth opening right now on the Giants spot is the special teams coordinator, Thomas McGee, he fired. And the Giants were actually just denied an interview for Ryan Ficken, the, the Chargers special teams coordinator. So that would have been a lateral move. The Chargers said, you know, let's we're figuring out who our coach is going to be, <clears throat> Jim Harbaugh. Uh, so uh, we cannot wait to see our pal Dan Popper go toe-to-toe -to -toe with Jim Harbaugh, by the way. Um, and the only other thing to watch is the assistant GM for the Giants, Brandon Brown. Um, Panthers and Chargers want to talk to them for the, for, for the GM, their GM jobs. Oh, and by the way, Mike Kafka, who may not call plays next year, Brian Dable kept that on the table, a yanking of the play-calling duties to Titans for what it's worth. I uh, want to talk to him for their head coaching job. You know, he's not as hot of a candidate this year as he was last year, but uh, that's one interview for him. So that's where things are at. And a lot of moving parts here for the Giants and the coaching staff, the comings, the, the, the potential goings, the goings that we know of, uh, all that stuff. So you touched on it Jets-wise. This is a, They didn't make any changes. Are you surprised that they did not make any changes? Um, I, I don't think it's done. I think there's good. There's going to have to be some change, but I don't think it'll be, I think Keith Carter is going to be the extent of it. If there is a change or maybe like they move on from Rob Calabrese, but like, he's basically like the third quarterback coach at this point behind Rogers, like, you know, and like, it's just not going to, you're not going to see a major move because clearly everything the jets have done has smacked of, well, Things would have been different if Rodgers was healthy, as we right. talked about multiple times. So I'm not surprised. I mean, I just think it's a miscalculation in terms of, especially now that you're seeing like all of the, these changes going on around the league and just the attitude of this franchise that took it so personally and was so sensitive that anyone was daring to question the job status of Joe Douglas or Robert Sala, despite the fact that they've combined for you know, an 18 and 33 record yeah. over the last three years. And Douglas's record, if you want to go back further than that, is even worse. So um, to me, that is, it's just a, a miscalculation. Like you, you're seeing guys who have been far more successful than the Jets have ever been, like Vrabel or in the last 15 years, like Vrabel, like obviously Pete Carroll getting forced out. And the Jets are just like, yep, we're good because Aaron Rodgers said so. And I think yeah. that if it's a bad look, but am I surprised? No, but it is, it is like kind of remarkable how the year the Jets are doing this, it's being 
almost thrown in their face that like every other team is, is making these risky decisions to get better. And the jets, you know, we're taking no risk from that standpoint, um, even though they've had no success. So uh, to me, that, that doesn't, it's not surprising, but it is revealing. Uh, yes. I think it's pretty clear that they're just going to shrug off 2023, but their players are not right. I mean, we hear, we heard Garrett Wilson, you know, express quite a bit of frustration, you know, for a guy, even in year two, he realizes how finite an NFL career is. And, you know, you can't just throw away years. I feel like it's kind of the, the, um, the vibe I got from what he said. What did you think? Yeah, I thought to, to me, like, so what he said directly or what he said was this can't happen again. And then called out basically like without calling out the offensive staff specifically, he called out the offensive staff by saying like, we need to make adjustments during games and we didn't. And we need to make adjustments when things happen, don't happen. But in the same breath, he's saying like Aaron Rodgers fixes a lot of this. So the way I read it is that Gary Wilson is saying like next year, if we lose Rodgers for some reason, we can't just have Nathaniel Hackett taking 10 games to figure out how to best use a quarterback who is different than him. Yeah. And we can't be historically bad. Like he's not willing to, to, you know, basically go out there undermatched every game just because Aaron Rodgers got hurt. And that's to me is what it was. Cause like, you can't say those two things in the same answer. He said, basically like having Aaron Rodgers back fixes a lot of this stuff. Yes but this can't ever happen again. So, so to me, it's like what we saw from Nathaniel Hackett this year was not good enough for him because it was a wasted year of his career and, and the jets and the, the most telling thing you said is I watch other teams on the sideline and it doesn't seem this hard. That's other a, offense. What a quote. Yeah. And he's, it's not why the first is it time so he said hard? it. That, why yeah, is it so hard? Not, is, is, is the, is he summed up, you know, life as a jet fan. Why is this so hard? You know, <laughs> exactly. And it's not the first time he said it. I think he said it after the Raiders game and it shouldn't be this hard when you have Garrett Wilson and you have Brees Hall and you saw, I mean, it was a little bit insane, not a little bit. It was a lot insane. The jets let Brees Hall touch the ball 39 times, including a career high 39, 37 rushing attempts in a meaningless game on a snow on a snowy, icy field, you know, 14 months after he tore his yards and he got there almost. (laughs) But the fact that first of all, he didn't get hurt and, and like, that's a good sign. And then it also, I think it was like important for them to beat the Patriots and all of that. And because they don't have to talk about it anymore, even if it hurt their draft stock, whatever it's, there's no guarantee that it's not a good thing for them that they move back the draft spots in the end. Like I understand from a draft value standpoint, it is what it is and and it hurt them. But I think this can be like a a jumping off point for them. And I'm not a big like building momentum guy, but I just think it shows two things like this offense can be very good. It has the players that you can, you know, Garrett Wilson getting over a thousand yards, Brees Hall getting 1500 yards all purpose for the year. It shows that this year should have never happened. It shows that they can be a force as an offense. It shows that Brees Hall, who the week before, said like it's not going to be like this forever like i'm going to come back and be a beast next year for him to back it up something this jets team has a real problem with doing like that's what they need more of so i think all that was good but it also shows like this has not been good enough this is unacceptable it cannot you cannot be a historically bad offense you cannot be the worst offense in the nfl when you have Brees hall and garrett wilson on your offense no matter what happens and 
And I think that's a really good message from Garrett Wilson. And it's different from like Jamal Adams when Jamal Adams was always in his comments, not looking to take personal accountability, not looking to like win with his team. He was looking for a way out. Garrett Wilson may end up having to take a way out if the Jets don't deliver victories for him and, and don't deliver a functional offense. But it's clear, like he's like, I have to get better too. And I want it to work here. That's not like, that's a big difference. So it's not like Garrett Wilson's looking for a way out. He's begging this team to be better and saying, and showing that he's all in on this team. And I think like sauce Gardner said too, like, I want to be, more accountable, more, I'm going to call out the things I don't agree with because I know how to win next year. And I think, you know, while also saying that he believes in the coaching staff, I think it just shows that like even the players in a way are putting the coaching staff on notice because they know that what happened this year was not good enough. Yeah. I mean, Adams is a clown, you know, we all know that we've seen it time and again this year. And so the jets, of course, last in PFF and offense, worst offense in the league giants, second worst offense in the league this year. um, So, we don't, we're not going to go through every pending free agent, blah, 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 and all that stuff. Cause we'll do, a, we'll do these sporadically throughout the off season. Might, might take a, you know, depending on what happens here, news wise, take some time. We're not going to necessarily do these every week, but um, in terms of where the jets and we know Garrett Wilson's going to be back, obviously. Um, but in terms of the personnel, we, we talked quite a bit about the coaching staffs here and um and just sort of the general attitude and aura around these teams and the, and the, that they, you know, we've got to improve type thing. Um, and the urgency certainly for the jets, but as you look at their, uh, and we'll get into Saquon Barkley in a minute, but that's what I'm tying this into. What are their big decisions in terms of their in-house guys, Bryce Hoff and anyone else? No, it's really like you say Quentin Jefferson is, is a big one to watch too. Cause yeah. he was one of the few guys they signed and it was, but it's mostly like Zach. I mean Zach Wilson, but I think we all know how that's going to work out. And Goodbye. don't need to invest too much time. Yeah, it's not going to. It's not going to be here. You know, when Aaron Rodgers is, is getting up there and saying like maybe a, a change of scenery wouldn't be bad. I think you know where that's going. And just for posterity, I'm going to say UCF is up by six on Kansas with 11 minutes left, and I'm going to enjoy that while I can. But you know, um, yeah, I didn't expect that. But but um, you know, I think. Bryce Huff is is clearly the one guy, and it's going to be really tough for them to keep him. First of all, his value is hard to project because he's a guy who plays about forty snaps or forty percent of the snaps a game, which is a lot in the Jets' rotation, but not a lot for other teams, where you know defensive ends usually will play, or edge rushers will play double that. Um, he's not he's statistically bad against the run, but then also he has like the best analytical numbers in terms of get off on the edge and and quarterback pressure numbers like he's he's a beast so he's probably going to be looking for an opportunity to play more snaps than another defense um but it's like tricky like how much what's his value going to be and i think like it could very easily rise above 16 17 18 and apy Hmm. and once it gets above 16 it's going to be very hard for the jets to justify keeping him because they're they're set at ed rusher i mean they were so set at ed rusher this year that carl lawson they paid him nine million dollars to play six games and make five tackles, like 1.9 million per tackle this year. Uh, they they, well, they, they have too many edges, right? Yeah, JFM. Uh, they've I mean, got Will McDonald, who they drafted 15th overall, um, and and Jermaine Johnson also has emerged as a very like probably the best edge rusher on the team. And I think more the most complete edge, edge rusher on the team. You know, even like more than Huff for sure. And he's he's younger and still under. So like they can't. Oh, they have too many other needs on the offensive line. 
Uh, they need to get a, a big time receiver in here to to pair with Garrett Wilson because Alan Lazard has been a disaster. Devontae so, Adams. I I think that's going to be really tough to do. But with with his, you know, the Raiders, there's like really no incentive for them to trade him because they're going to eat so much on, on the cap. And but and the Jets really aren't in a position because they only have five picks in this year's draft, including just one in the first, you know, sixty or plus because of the trade for Rodgers. So it makes more sense for them to throw money, you know, at Evans from Tampa or something than to do that. But, you know, they, they have to preserve their money for a move like that. Or, or again, where they're drafting now, they're drafting 10th. If they had lost, they would have been drafting sixth ahead of the giants where the giants are drafting now. Um, so now it's, that's not an easy place that you there's no guarantee that you're going to get one of those top tackles in the draft. So you have to probably address that in free agency, which makes it harder to address your receiver problem in free agency. Like again, all of it adds up to it's going to be very tough for them to keep Bryce Huff if another team is going to pay. And everybody wants to talk about like, well, they could tag him and trade him, but like, okay, that doesn't really work because if they sign him for the franchise tag, which is plus, you know, 20 plus million for an edge rusher. And then he decides not to sign the tag until like right before the last, until the yeah. last minute before the season, right. they can't trade Risky. him. Yeah. And it and they're not going to get anything of value. So yeah, like, it's not, yeah. this isn't like is some slam. Idea. Yeah. This isn't the NBA guys. Like everybody thinks that it's a no brainer. They should do that. And except they, they already missed the window. They needed to extend them before the season or early in the season. Maybe he wasn't receptive to it. It's hard to, why would know, he be? You're not going to get, yeah, the why would he be? yeah. So, um, yeah, I just think that's the writing on the wall. They're not in a position where they can overpay to keep him, and yeah. that's them, them's the breaks. But that, yeah, that's where they're at. That, that, yeah, and and the Jet, the Giants, of course, are six in the draft. They, if they had if they had lost to the Eagles, they only could have stayed at five. So they lost. They dropped one spot because they didn't get any help from the teams in front of them. So that's what the, the, in terms of the Jets, six, they finished six in PFF and pass rush. And you, you're talking about, you know, the the the. the that being obviously a big strength of their team and Bryce Huff being a big strength of that strength. And, um, you know, the pressures, Quinn and Williams had 70, Huff had 67, Jermaine Johnson, 56, Franklin Myers, 50. Uh, Will McDonough had only 12, obviously. McDonough, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if any people are going to even get that, that Freudian slip there. Will McDonald, uh, RIP Will McDonough, great sports writer. Um, uh, but when McDonald, Will McDonald, uh, didn't, um, you know, didn't get a lot of opportunity. So he'll have to step up, obviously. And, uh, you know, they got a lot of Jermaine Johnson. They'll need more from him. And, uh, yeah, that's their big decision, as you said. And, and you may raise a good point that kind of ties into where the Giants are at with the franchise tag. It's not ideal. It's not ideal to use it every offseason. Joe Shane said as much. And I wonder, you know, you can't help but wonder, hearing that, does that point to a Saquon Barkley departure? I, You know, I don't know if they'll tag Xavier McKinney for $17 million, especially when, you know, that's going to eat up a good chunk of the Giants' cap space um right now they're at 33 i think if they you know make some cuts mark Lewinsky's a goner uh you know maybe they get close to 40 but 17 almost eats up about half that or a little less than half that right 40 percent probably so mckinney's a fascinating you know foundational player type because he didn't have a good 2022 season he was really good in 2021 he was really good in 2023 and so what do you expect from him is he trending upward it would seem so so that's a big decision the giants have to make the other one, of course, uh, and we're talking non-quarterback decisions, obviously. The draft is going to be what it's going to be. But the other the other big decision for the Giants is obviously Saquon Barkley. Um, yeah, 
uh, I it just it just seems like everything is trending toward them letting him walk. And 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 the thing to remember with Huff when you talk about do oh, tag and trade well. I know the jet the jet the Jets are a win now team, so they're not thinking about twenty twenty five comp picks, but they could get a pretty good comp pick for him if he does walk, depending on how active they are in free agency. And and the same thing for Barkley. But but obviously Jet fans are looking at it like, look, we're trying to win it all with Aaron Rodgers or get to the Super Bowl this year. Who cares about a comp pick? I and I get that. Um, but in terms of the Giants and and, and their pending free agents, McKinney being the big one, uh Adore Jackson, I he's gone. Um there's no way he's back. Deontay Banks, they drafted him to be the number one corner, and that's that's the deal. He's going to be that. Um, and we'll see how he fares. He didn't have a great year this year. Saquon Barkley, of course, as I said, winding back to what I was saying there, is the is the only other really super intriguing pending in-house free agent for the Giants other than Xavier McKinney. So what do they do? I mean, do they tag him again at $12 million and wind up committing about 22 million to him for two years here last year and this year, or, you know, do they let him walk? And and I, I just think that if you're going to draft, I, mean, I probably said this around here. I know on here, I know I've written it. If you're going to draft a quarterback and start over. It just doesn't make a lot of sense to invest heavily in a 27 year old running back who's had durability issues and do it for, for one year. Right. I mean, Barkley could be like, okay, fine. I'll play under the tag again. The bottom line is he knows, and he said it, you know, this is it. This is his chance to hit true free agency. If the Giants somehow lock him up and he plays into the tag again, it would it'd be crazy. I mean, they could would have controlled him for seven years. I don't see it happening. I think he walks. Um, I think they allocate the resources elsewhere, which is smart. And they finally get out from on, you know, by all accounts, a great citizen, you know, has had great moments. No one's saying he's a bad guy. It was a bad pick. We all know that. Okay, that's no fault of his own. The GM who drafted him was freaking inept and ruined the roster. Okay, so we all know this. Um, but they're finally going to move out from under a bad decision that, quite frankly, they they did not double down on with a second contract because he got hurt in 2020. And that's what happened in year three. If he hadn't gotten hurt, this they would he would never have been here. He would have gotten paid. He would have gotten that second contract. But that's how, unfortunately, it works. And so... Yeah, no, I think he moves on. And uh, we talk about Wink Martindale to Philly, Saquon Barkley to Philly. Ooh, that would be juicy, wouldn't it? Yeah, that would be cool cool to see. And and not for Giants fans, but I think just for NFL fans in general, just some of these potentially juicy storylines. And when you look at the Eagles, they are a team that, like, no matter what happens in the next week, two weeks, three weeks, however you want to you know, play it out, if you think they can make a run, um, however that plays out, they're going to potentially need a guy like him to help carry the load and, and stabilize things on offense with them being kind of exposed this year uh, with teams finding a way to kind of take away Hertz, Hertz's running ability. So I think, I mean, he would make a lot of sense. And I think that's the thing that like, because Saquon has been such you know, a popular player in terms of the locker room and, and the fan base by doing and saying the right things. Like doesn't mean it's not the right decision for the giants to move on from him, given where they are as a roster. Um, I mean, there are arguments for him to stay too, but I do think like it, it just, sometimes it just makes sense. And that's not a reflection on, on Saquon and who he is as a player or person that, that it wasn't, it just, you know, when you, when you pick a running back, Second overall, it's 
you're going to have to be Barry Sanders to justify it basically. Right. So hundred percent. it's not a, it's not a, it's not a knock on Saquon that he's, you know, a potential one day, maybe a hall of fame favor um, that, that he's not, you know, that it just wasn't the right pick at the right time for the giants. And again, like you, like you said, it's, it's kind of a weird, there, there is some weird nostalgic stuff. The, the Jets have it too, not as much because they've there's just never really been any success. But yeah, I mean, you you see what he's still capable of, and it just makes sense for where the Giants are at, probably for it to be elsewhere, at least from from an external standpoint of someone who isn't looking at it as closely as you. Yeah, I mean, look, it, it does. I mean, the, they drafted him to be a difference maker, and they went twenty five forty one. They went in the regular season. They went twenty five forty eight and one in games he played in twenty five forty eight and one in games he played in okay so that now he's not the reason for that solely uh, of course but it you know yeah it's just no. a misjudgment yeah of, of you, what your roster needed you don't pay a, a, a 27 year old running back a lucrative second contract or a second or a second tag in a row when you're drafting a quarterback and i understand that you know they're number six in the draft and they're behind um chicago Washington, New England quarterbacks go one, two, three. I don't know if Arizona will pick quarterback. We know the Chargers won at five, but the, the three main quarterbacks, Caleb Williams, Drake May, Jaden Daniels could be gone by number six, right? And so, I mean, Giants can't trade up into a top three, four quarterback if one of those teams wants to also take a quarterback. And the Giants are not trading from six to one, okay? So they may have to wait until the second round to get a quarterback, but they, you know that would still be a significant investment in a premium pick quarterback and signal that you're kind of sort of um, heading in the direction of wanting to like restart with that guy. And so you don't pay um, heavily for a 27-year-old running back in, in that situation. I mean, that's something a win-now team does, which is... The Eagles, right? I mean, they're trying to win with Jalen Hurts, and um, that's why you've seen that kind of um, chatter. And I think Saquon Barkley, it's pretty clear he would embrace – I mean, the guy is straight upset he would embrace a fresh start. I mean, if they do not tag him, I don't think that he gets – I do not think that they're going to blow him away with a contract offer, right? So let's just set that aside. So maybe they give him some kind of offer that he views as limp. He's going to tell him to pound sand and he's going to hit free agency. Like, so he's basically made it clear, like you better, you have either have to tag me or blow me away with an offer that, which they're not going to do. They're not going to blow him away an offer. So they said they have to tag him is what he's saying or farewell, essentially. I mean, you don't see a lot of guys go out and test the market and then come back. It just doesn't typically happen. Um, So some, you know, there's 31 other teams out there, right? One team isn't going to, the odds are that the, what are the odds that one, that your one team is going to pay you or that one of the other 31 is going to pay you. It just has to take one who's paying you more than this one team, right? So someone's going to, because you know other teams are in much different situations in terms of winning now than the Giants. And that's what's going to happen. He's going to sign with one of those teams and good for him. You know, he'll realize what his current market value is now. He'll never max it out. He never would have maxed it. I mean, look, Unfortunately for him, it, the ship has sailed on getting it the true peak of his market value. Just not happening. Nature of the position, age, his age, the fact he didn't have a really good year this year, not all in his control, obviously, durability. Um, so, yeah. Um, by the way, we're talking about career records. Leonard Williams' career record in the regular season is 50. Oh, fi- it's 50, 91, and 1. 50. 91 and one man he's, he's i would imagine that's 
He's almost as many games under 500 as he is games that he's won. He's 41. Well, I, I, I guess the tie, right? 41. Yeah. 41 games under 500 and he's 150. Right. I mean, man. Uh, and he went to Seattle. They got, and that ties into what we were talking about with the draft because the giants have the extra second round pick from Seattle. Seattle did not make the playoffs. Unfortunately for Leonard Williams, he didn't get back there. That pick now doesn't fall into the playoff pool of picks, right? That's worth remembering here. Like Seattle misses the, makes the playoffs. That pick goes all the way to the bottom of the round in round two right now, not to the way bottom, but right now it's the 47th pick. And that's what it's going to be. It's the 47th pick. So the Giants pick at 6, 39, 47, and 70. That's where they're at. The Jets are at 10, nothing in the second round because of the Rodgers trade, and then 72. So uh, obviously the Jets are pinched a little bit. And you you mentioned it earlier in regard to uh, the Devontae Adams potential trade. So, uh, yeah, no, I mean, that's certainly a lot to think about going into this offseason. Um, but the immediate stuff is... You know, what What are these coaching staffs going to look like? We know what the Jets staff is going to look like, right? I mean, um, I guess my my question to you then with that, amid of all this Giants coaching staff change, drama and all that. So what happens if they come out next year and, um, you know, the offense is struggling like early on? Like, is there any way they can make some kind of change where Hackett gets gets basically neutered and, and, and they have uh, – is it Todd Downing, right? Um, yep. Call the plays. Do you see that? Do you see would would Rogers greenlight that, or do, would it matter if he greenlighted it? It shouldn't matter, right? I was laughing first of all, just to go back to what you said about Leonard Williams' career record. I, I'm just going back and looking at my career record since I started covering the Jets, Oof. and it's like I think, but if my quick math is correct, it's something like 41 and 90. So that's that's hard to. Uh, like hard to believe that is, you know, more under 500 than, than wins, but, or, or whatever, like it's this, maybe my math is wrong or 40. Yes. It, it's either way. It's, it's really bad, but yeah, I mean, there, there are ways of, I mean, I think it, for any, any public acknowledgement or public moving on from Hackett is probably going to take, you know, Rogers getting hurt or the jets making it clear, like benching him if he plays that badly. And like, mm-hmm. I, I will say like, out of all the insane things that, that, Aaron Rodgers said in the last 48 hours or yeah, and we haven't even know, touched on it. Plus, so it's a good time to get into it. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I, I don't, I don't, you know, honestly, we're, we won't, we won't, we'll just stick to the football stuff, I guess. But because I mean, it's, we, I, I don't, I'm just so tired of the wasting energy on him when so much of this is like not stuff that people in the locker room or, or people in the fan base care about. Like, well, I think you hit it on the head with the locker room. Like, right? yeah, ex- ex- like earlier on, like it, it's just gonna what's gonna matter for him. But like one of the things he said, and I don't, I don't know if it was, you know, disingenuous or not. Probably was, but but he said we're all in the hot seat because if I want, I want to play multiple years here. But to do that, I have to play well in twenty twenty four, and that's actually like, like true. That that's the one thing. Like, if if Rodgers understands that, like the Jets have to. Woody has to understand that. Like. If Aaron Rodgers is trash early next year, like they're going, I don't know how long you let it go for, but it can't be like the whole season. Like they're going to have to move on and start over, or they're going to set the franchise back multiple more years to where the point, like now 
if you it could not to be negative, like, but you could just very easily seeing this 13 year playoff drought going to 20 if they mismanage this and let Rogers hold on this team last too long. Mm-hmm. And I think so that is truly like at stake. And you, if you see the way all the reactions were this year, and Rogers also said that on McAfee yesterday, which was interesting. Like if I had been on the team and they had struggled, like he said, you know, the local media is fantastic or whatever. They're fair. And they ask tough questions. And I think we have been fair. We have asked him tough questions, even if it's not always about some of the nonsense, non-football stuff he's talking about. Um, but he said, like, if I was on the team and we struggled and lost to Dallas like that, and we were one and four, like I would have been taking just as much heat as everybody else was. And I'm fine with that because it's football related and that that's true. And it will be even worse next year because it's going to be like, you, you sunk everything into this guy. So I think yeah, like the I mean, fact that be worth the trouble. That, yeah. It better be worth the trouble. Right. Yep. I mean, that's what jet fans are all this nonsense. I mean, I guess some people probably agree with some of the insane opinions that he's spewing and just like his insane logic and straw man arguments and false equivalency and all of the just complete conspiratorial nonsense that even Pat McAfee, who is, you know, basically in bed with the guy, uh, was like enough, right? <laughs> We're like basically, he basically cut him off and he's not going to be back for the rest of the year mercifully uh, this season. Who knows if he will be in the future, but yeah. um but it, you know, like the Jeff fans got to be looking at this and saying, "This is it." You know, this all this nonsense and this embar—at least a sensible Jeff fan—all this embarrassment is just you know, let's just like let it, it pay off with with something like semblance in some semblance of great success next year, even if, quite frankly, the entire sporting world in 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 most cases would have been like in most cases of the Jets were going to make a deep run to the Super Bowl. Everyone, a lot of people would be sentimentally behind it, like the Cubs, right? Rogers mm-hmm. is so unlikable. To like the general public, unless you're like an insane person, like, okay, sorry, but that's the reality. Uh, he's a great player. He's just not a likable guy. <laughs> and that's fine. Cause you know, look, look, if we knew, if we had all these information about Michael Jordan now that we did in the nineties, he would have had a lot fewer fans. Let's just say that. Okay. Yeah. All the things that he was doing and quite frankly, things that are more untoward, quite frankly, than Aaron Rodgers' words. Uh, right. We know this yep. um, now, the way he was behaving um, uncivil and all that. So like, yeah, I think that, 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 that he would not have been viewed in the same lens at the time, but, um, but yeah, I, not that the jet fan cares if other people around the country are rooting for them or if the team's likable, but I think to bring it back, like even the locker room, right? Like, they, these guys probably see a lot of this BS, and I, I think it'll be fascinating to see, like, yeah, they don't really care what he says on McAfee, but once he gets in the locker room, I'll be really interested to see how much accountability he really does take, because you think back to that last year in Green Bay, and, like, he wasn't the most accountable guy in the world there, right? Yeah, and I think that's, like, he has, has been in the locker room since, you know, the end of November, He's around. He's there. He's been great for the guys to deal with. On a, from a media standpoint, he is at his locker. He is not going to be throwing any picks. Yeah, and that's and that's where I'm getting to. Like he's that's why it's hard to kind of highly criticize him from a football standpoint right now, um, because he's been everything like they could have asked for in the locker room. But it doesn't matter until once things go wrong. How is that going to be? And who's he going to throw under the bus? Is it going to be Robert Sala? Is it going to be? is the players are going to be the offensive line. Cause, cause the history just suggests that he will deflect. Uh, and I'm not like, I don't think that's being controversial saying that it's just the, the way it goes. So it's it just I more even take ownership for essentially calling 
Jimmy Kimmel <laughs> pedophile. Like, I mean, like all he had to do is just say, oh, look, I'm my bad. My bad. Has this guy ever, you know, like I'm sure he has. I'm sure he has. But like that things like that and other things in the past just point to potential for a lack of accountability and then all the bombs that follow. Yeah, it's, it's not going to. And it's not going to fly in here and it's it's not going to fly in the locker room. It's not going to fly in the New York media because especially with the Jets and this fan base, because they're just so tired of not just losing, but like just being terrible on offense. So the, yeah, the pressure is on the back it up. He's not going to be a, a, a soft landing if it's not going well and he's pointing the finger. And I think even though the, the locker room didn't really, I, the benefit of him, like the fact that Aaron Rodgers chose the Jets in a lot of ways that like gave guys in the locker room confidence. And I I just don't want to overlook that. I do think it's like there's some importance to that. And I think that's why, like, even though all of that, like they noticed, it was noticed in the locker room this year that this guy's talking more than anybody, even though he's not there. And there was a point in the year where, you know, players were clearly annoyed when they were asked when they were eliminated in Miami. Like if it was, it made it even worse because they denied Aaron the chance to get back. And it was like, no, it wasn't about Aaron. It's about, us. I mean, I think there was some annoyance even this year sure. without him there for how it went. And it, I don't think it was a big deal or a distraction, but it was just like, what the hell kind of a, a thing where it got exhausting. Not just imagine what it would be like if he's not playing while well he is there every day, it's going to be, it's going to be worse next year. So like not worse isn't the right word. It's going to be a completely different experience. So, um, I just think like yeah, it's a loaded. I mean, every year going forward until the Jets are good is going to be a loaded, difficult situation for anyone who is in a position of leadership. And and then it's I think like when you're a public figure like Rogers is, it's just another lesson and indicator that like hey, it's really hard to like sound good when you're talking about anything regularly for for an hour a week in a kind of an informal setting, and then when you're talking about loaded comments and walking that line, like it's just really hard for any public figure who is also has a polarizing past to do that. I mean, just look at Robert Sala and his four or five media availabilities per week in this loaded kind of situation. It's, it's very easy to make yourself look silly. And Rogers proves that even if you're like a semi-polished smartish, I don't think he's, you know, it's easy to call him dumb, but I think it's, I don't think he's dumb. I just think, it's it's he's smart but there's also like you know smart in terms of being a a football player who can remember a lot of information and and then smart socially and knowing how what you say will be perceived and how what you how you act and how it'll be perceived and all that it's a totally different thing it's a really hard line to walk so i think there's a lot of lessons in there I, i don't know if rogers is you know has the humility to take them but again, like I like I said before, he was. It's hard. For, it's hard for me to be critical of the way he acted because it wasn't like my experience of him being around him was not unpleasant, except for the part where he would go on the radio or on the podcast every week and say things that had nothing to do with anything that was going on in the Jets locker room and 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 make himself a story. It just seemed it didn't seem like a team first thing to do. So. Um, it's 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 complicated to kind of frame where Aaron Rodgers is and his relationship with his teammates and the Jets. It's it's a complicated thing, but again, like we've said this whole time, it's going to come down to results next year, and um, none of this will fly if Aaron Rodgers 
is heard again like it's it's probably over and all the sideshow stuff will i think everybody's done with it better better produce better produce man yeah i mean (laughs) this better be worth it i mean i mean they traded a a ton for him they're giving him a lot of money i know he took the the pay cut but good grief i mean you better produce i mean i think that was true before any of this any of this stuff, you know, that he that he went on. I mean, the, the guy's very smart. I think he's thinks incredibly highly of himself and thinks he's he's you know thinks he's the smartest man in the world or whatever. Uh, and, and look, none of it. I mean, the confidence is what made him a great player. And uh, I think that he's not. You know, he's certainly not lacking for that. That has not gone away. The question then becomes, you know, physically, what type of player he is, and can they protect this guy? And so, uh, yeah, you know, we'll see. We'll see. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we we'll, will. We'll leave it there. And, and uh, I'll add one more thing that we talk about the kind of player he was. Sure. Like I've talked to a couple. I mean, there's been stuff out there about Rodgers being the scout team quarterback the last month of the season, and like how he was playing really well at practice. And even us, like I was at the last practice on Friday. You see Rodgers throwing these bombs with ease. It's like 30 degrees out. It's windy, and he's throwing it into like a five by five net every time from like 70 yards. I don't know what that means in terms of like next year, because so much of it is going to be dependent on him moving. And we didn't see him as a scout team quarterback. So despite everybody saying he looked great, that doesn't mean much to me. But one of the the ways it was described to me by somebody on the team um, in an off the record setting or in a, in a, you know, non-attributable setting was the ultimate tease yeah, which is like perfect for the Jets. The fact that they this guy got close enough to healthy, they can go, come out there and just light it up and practice every day, and you can't do anything with it. So um, it's it's almost frustration, and we're gonna find out if the tease is is reality or not. You know, in in, in nine months again after all this buildup, and it'll be interesting to see. For sure, for sure. And by the way, your UCF uh, guys are up. Six points, forty seconds to go at home against Kansas. So, thirty-one point uh, seven seconds to go now. Yep, I'm. You're probably watching. I can't believe so it. I was going to say I'll let you go watch what could be a great court rush, but uh, so yeah, here we are, mid-January, and the divisional round playoffs or the the wild card round of the playoffs rather starting this weekend. And uh, as usual, as has been the case for many years now, most of the time, uh, the Giants and Jets watching from home, but no shortage of things to talk about. Obviously, here. Hope everyone enjoyed. Our chat, uh, I don't know when we'll be back with you. We'll try to do a few of these in the off season and certainly as the news dictates. But uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks for listening every week throughout the season. Uh, for those of you who did, um, nj.com slash jets, nj.com slash giants. As always, thanks for reading. Be sure to like, rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. And we will catch up with you um, sooner rather than later. Not sure when, but thanks again. Enjoy the rest of your week. Enjoy the games this weekend, and we'll talk to you all soon.